When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! 14 USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. Haven't you guys been training in the offseason? I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello. That's Kevin. Hey, y'all. We got a special guest today, a world-renowned hot take artist. He's also a sports reporter for News 4 in Buffalo, at 4TomMartin on Twitter, co-host of the Oddcast podcast. He is Tom Martin. Tom, thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Hot takes are ready to go. Awesome, awesome. As you've noticed, Kevin is here. He's finally got a new car. I'm in studio. In studio, this is the la- I am moving, so this is the last time we're going to be in this studio. So that's exciting. Uh, I'm excited for these hot takes, but before we get into those, Tom, last, uh, I guess a couple episodes ago maybe, we talked about what would happen to the Ducks in the future, and we talked a little bit about Adam Banks and maybe him pursuing a broadcast career. As an Emmy-winning broadcast, do you feel like Banks would A, have the skills, and B, have the hair to be a broadcaster? I do think Banksy would have the hair. I think that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's no question. That's a foregone conclusion. And that might alone get him a job talking hockey somewhere, as we've seen across the landscape of hockey broadcasters. But um, you know what? I, Adam was always pretty reserved. He mm-hmm. was more of like a show it on the ice guy. You know, he wasn't like a vocal leader, which usually the vocal leaders, the broadcasty dudes. I'm trying to think of who I would pick to be like, like a broadcaster. Jesse Hall would be great. Mm-hmm. I think Jesse Hall would be your underrated hockey commentator. That dude, if he had something on his mind, he would just spew it. Yeah, that would be, that was a good sort of test too. Cause that's kind of what we said. We said, Banks would be a little too reserved to be a broadcaster. So we said he'd be a mediocre broadcaster. Yeah. He'd eventually get into like a front office somewhere, though. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. He'd be like a player development guy. There you go. So we are on the same page here. Uh, another thing, you work with the Sabers a lot. You cover the Sabers. How many Sabers do you think are fans of the Mighty Ducks? Know about the Mighty Ducks? Just are generally aware of the Mighty Ducks at this point? That's unfortunately a conversation I haven't had with them. I would gather, though, I mean, a lot of those guys, like especially like the younger ones, like Eichel and Sam Reinhart, probably like Evander Kane, all those guys, I bet they're all big fans. Like, oh, I don't okay. see any reason why they wouldn't be. Yeah, they're aware of all this stuff. I mean, they, they especially Jack is big enough. Like, Jack's big into like Barstool, oh. which – has nothing to do with the Mighty Ducks per se, but like it's just an example. Like these guys have a lot of interests outside of hockey. I would gather Mighty Ducks is one of them. Well, sounds like you have your your uh, next story to work on is to <laughs> to find out about that. 
Correct. It is the summertime, and in local sports, there is nothing. So <laughs> you're not far off, and if you happen to see something come out later, it was 100% because of you guys. Do you think if um, the uh, the league that the Mighty Ducks were playing in in D1, if that was going on like in the summer in Buffalo, you'd be there covering it? Absolutely. I do. I cover fed hockey for high school. So I do cover like a very similar thing. Now, if I'm getting down to like youth, so let's see (laughs) if we let's like, if Buffalo hosted the junior Goodwill games, then I don't know. There's a decent chance if it was in the summer, I would be there and I'd at least shoot it. And I would get the absurd Trinidad and Tobago, like, pregame or like the goal celebration they have just for video's sake but absolutely i wouldn't write it off wow i feel like we have a new spot for the junior games revive them uh i mean my biggest concern with the sabers was the youth there eichel born october 28th 1996 that's 24 24 days after d3 came out so i wasn't sure if there was like a generational gap that was starting here Probably not. I mean, these movies are going to live on. And here's the thing. And I guess there's one thing I always wondered is if, like, let's say if you weren't younger watching any of these, especially D2, because, like, I I hold up D2 up there with, like, I don't know, like The Godfather. Like, I will defend (laughs) D2 against any legit movie, and I will not think twice about it. But if I had not seen it until I was, like, 20. Yeah then what I think it's really, really, really kind of, kind of stupid and like irrational. <laughs> and, and, and the answer is no, but I wonder if people think that. I don't think Jack does, especially if you grew up playing hockey. I, I think all those guys would like the Mighty Ducks. But I don't know if I would if I hadn't seen it when I was younger, which is sad. As a, as a newsman, how do you feel about the movie Newsies? never seen newsies before there okay so watch it and maybe you'll <laughs> realize what these guys might be going through watching like a, a movie kind of in the, the same, same vein. profession and it does have christian bale in it oh exciting christian bale's in a movie called newsies <laughs> yeah it's like a musical where they're like i guess early 20th century like 1900s like in the aughts or whatever they're newspaper boys and i guess there's like some kind of strike that's going on and there's a lot of singing that's oh, involved a play. i know somebody who's actually in the play wow like the broadway production Ooh! but i never knew it was a movie so that's something new <laughs> it's pretty good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well, clearly uh, we've achieved the goal that this podcast set out to reach with i mean yeah i mean we doozies. Yeah, we we just search to educate, so <laughs> mission accomplished here. Uh, how did you just first get into the Mighty Ducks? Do you remember those first viewings, or were you just so young that it's all just sort of over your head? Just what was your sort of origin story? Oh, I remember. I mean, like D one, D one did not sit with me as much as D two did, and I'm actually an apologist for D three. D3 is not bad. Like D3 is actually way better than people think it is. Mm-hmm. I might be talking. I might, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but. Um, I'm over D2, here pumping my fist, Tom. He literally pumped his fist. <laughs> I saw D1 and I was like, this is cool. Like I can get on board with this. And then D2 just took it to this level where it's like, 
hey, the kids are like extremely legit now. You're not just beating the Hawks. Like you're beating this country that like sort of isn't really big into hockey, but for the movie's sake, it is. <laughs> and it was great. And then you have like Gunnar Stahl and all these guys like Sanderson who can just really go screw off sometimes. And like, it was just this great deal of like drama for like, ki- like a, a kid's hockey movie. Not to mention you go get this kid out of like the projects in Los Angeles and then put him <laughs> on your team and he's like amazing. So, yeah. like, there's what? just so much to D2. So I remember D2 from the start and I can still hum. I, 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 I kid you not. I can still hum the music during the shootout that they play. Give it to us. I'm not doing it now. <laughs> but I can do it. Um, on, on, along the lines of Russ Tyler, I think we've argued before that that's the greatest story in the history of sports. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, uh, I think Russ Tyler, like, like that's an, like, that's an executive of the year type move from Charlie Conway. Just, oh. just for one. That's a good point. Maybe he's the GM. Yeah, we haven't really turned, flipped it around. We just sort of looked at Russ coming out of the projects, not really unclear whether he really knows how to skate, but he just sends the team into the championship game. But I like this reverse <laughs> action where Charlie Conway should get some credit here. Um, yeah, that's that's deep. Like, How the much credit... One problem we never had was that we never saw how good Russ was in his own zone. Like, did he just get beat every single time because he couldn't probably not skate? Possibly. That's a good question. They still won. That's a good question. It's unclear how much ice time he really gets. I don't know if he's just like a one-trick pony that Bombay just sends out there at the end of the game to win it for him. But in that case, then great move by Bombay. Uh, Very risky move in a close game to have a kid that can barely skate, but, (laughs) (laughs) but it paid off. It paid off. So, well, I don't think, I don't think he took, I don't think he took the scouting ability of Wolf the Dennis Stanton very seriously as in being able to tell the race of someone underneath (laughs) a helmet from another person. Like, I guess they just saw that flaw and were like, they'll never know. (laughs) Wait, it was weight that paid off more than race, which is, that, that, like that's the only time in history that that has ever happened. Well, maybe Wolf was a super progressive and he didn't really see color. <laughs> that's, that's a very good point. I mean, hey, the Icelandic people in that movie, like at least like the team trainer you saw, like she was she was very nice and she was very you know welcoming, and then you had Wolf who was just insane. So you know maybe that was something of her that rubbed off on him. And it's a team sport. Yeah. Yeah. It could definitely happen. I'm, I'm trying here. I'm trying. There, oh, <laughs> I know. I agree. There's got to be some redeeming quality to Wolf. Like, I think in how these documentaries were shot, you really have to portray Wolf as a, like, evil villain character. But maybe in real life, there are some redeeming qualities that just don't make it into the documentaries. We had a we had an excellent episode a few weeks back about how uh, Wolf was misunderstood, and uh, exactly. basically Tibbles was um, basically playing both Bombay and Wolf against each other. Oh yeah, because he uh, he was obviously marketing Team USA in North American market, but on the other hand, he was marketing Iceland as the good guys and Team USA as the bad guys in the European market. So Tibbles is just a mastermind. 
Yeah, I never looked at Don Tibbles as sort of the like evil dictator type <laughs> guy here, but man, I mean, this is a whole new. This is a whole. Like, he's introducing people to like Kareem Jabbar, uh, Abdul Jabbar, and like uh, who's like Christy Yamaguchi one day at parties, and the yeah. next day he's trying to like use PR to pit people against each other. It all makes sense now. Yeah, he's just a genius. Um, going back to a little something you talked about, you talked about you know D three kind of has for some redeeming qualities, maybe not as bad as people think. We have sort of been arguing about the correct order of these movies in terms of best to worst. What's your ranking of the three here? Yeah, I I, I think I go against the grain. I go D2 is the best. Just obvious reasons. Come fight me. And then D3, <laughs> I put ahead of D1 because, you know, I think you learned some life lessons under Coach O'Ryan who is a very misunderstood man. Um, you know, some of the speeches he gives were like, you know, you, you can see it in Lester Averman's eyes, which I don't know why he's ever on the team, but, you know, you need the funny guy. And and, and, and he, I think he got through to him. And by the way, finally a coach puts Goldberg on the bench for Julie the Cat guy. Yeah. Like, hello, <laughs> can we get some semblance of like freaking realism here? And it finally occurs in D3. So from like a scout standpoint, you're like, all right, this movie is already head and shoulders above where the previous movie, although great, could never get realistically. And they put Goldberg on defense. Like there were just – I liked the way that Coach O'Ryan approached things. By the way, like Paul Correa stops by for color commentary. <laughs> like that's one of the great – one of the great cameos in sports movie history that goes unnoticed. So – you know, D1 was great. I like how they set everything up. But first of all, don't give me Charlie Conway's mom in Bombay and then never go anywhere with it. <laughs> they just broke up, man. Sometimes it always doesn't work yeah, out. <laughs> See, that was a real hey. life lesson. <laughs> man, you know what? Like, like okay. It, it's... I wish I could have seen the conversation. Like, Bombay had to have missed her. And he's sitting there with Michelle McKay who is just way too easy for him. (laughs) Like there had to have been a point where he was thinking back to Charlie's mama and was just like, I miss her more. And here's Michelle McKay, who's just not making this very difficult. There was never a conversation between them where he was like, Hey, I miss this other lady. And we're going to go back to, I don't know. I don't know, man. I've been through some crap with women before, and I feel like Bombay and Mrs. Conway had something, and it was just never explored fully. Wow. That was actually our first episode, wasn't it? Deep. No, our first episode was whether Gordon Bombay learned anything at all, or if he was still just all about winning, because he, oh, right. he does come out, he finds yeah. a ringer to, to, in the sole purpose of having them win games. And all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of argument there. People can go and, and listen to that episode. And that's episode. We do have one about the women of Bombay's life. We the do many have women, one. The many women. We do, <laughs> we do have one about that. I I feel like in that one, you two said that Maria was both the. I don't remember our categories, but you two said that she should. He's she should have ended up with Maria. Iceland, Iceland cherry. Yeah. yeah. I still stand by that. Yeah. I was big on that too. I mean, the problem is Wolf is just there like employing her 
and, and probably threatening her life if she goes out with Bombay again for ice cream. And then again, like Dean Portman might do the same thing. There was a lot of danger involved there. Hmm. This is, this, this but it ice... was ideal for them. I liked them. Yeah. This ice cream scene has taken a turn. So you think Maria was in danger there? I think there was a chance that Wolf had he had he really had there been a second date with the ice cream. I think they're both in danger. I mean, they both have a lot of people who who were not fans of that. And I don't I don't mess around with Dean Portman. You know, <laughs> it's like Romeo and it. Juliet, a modern day Romeo and Juliet, right there. Because uh, yeah, they're from the yeah, dueling houses. We <laughs> we're getting a lot of blank stares over here. <laughs> Didn't you guys take ninth grade English? Uh, yeah, man. The Capulets and the Montagues. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I remember we watched the um, like Leonardo DiCaprio version in yeah. class, and the teachers like like none of this like like just ignore most of it, but. <laughs> It's whatever. But she was hungover. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Miss Redding. She was yeah, actually a very good actually, teacher. I was not opposed to Romeo plus Juliet, which I don't know why they called it that. That's the Leo one, I think. That was all right. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, I Just one quick point on the ice cream scene. I believe we have talked about maybe Wolf sent Marie out for a little in-depth scouting there. And, and Wolf knew about it the whole time. Um uh, any any thoughts on that? If if Wolf does Wolf know, or is this just a a behind the back move? I'm trying to think because you look in the like like you look at Maria's eyes like real close, right in that one on one scene before Wolf really just chief shots the crap out of Bombay <laughs> and. She looks at him like, I am so sorry, which makes me think she might have been a mole, like might have been a rat, might have been sent in there, even against her will. Like I said, tough times. It's like the war. Like, you never know who to trust. And, you know, Maria maybe shouldn't have been trusted. All right. Well, now, one thing you told us on Twitter, you got a hot take about Dwayne. So I just wanted, before we go any further, to let you sort of get that out there and see if we yeah. can sort of break it down. Yeah, yeah. I think Dwayne Robertson is by far the worst duck to ever put on a uniform, to ever put on the wings. And I think that it's not even close because, A, like every great scoring chance Dwayne somehow fumbled himself into, he always screwed up. Like the like that movie probably shows like five saves from the opposing goaltender, and all of them were against Dwayne who sat there and just because you can juggle a puck like Tiger Woods can juggle something on a golf commercial doesn't mean you can shoot or skate or anything. And he rolls in there and just disrupts the entire system of what Bombay's trying to teach. He's a selfish player. He's got no speed to his game. He's got no finish to his game. Mike Milbury and Jeremy Roenick and Keith Jones and all those guys would tear him apart because he sucked. And he had no business being in that type of level of hockey. And a lot of kids would kill for that position. And here's Dwayne from Austin. And I love Texas being from there. But what on earth was he doing playing hockey? Go play football, Dwayne. Go fucking like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have dropped that bomb. Yeah, we've got a TVMA rating on this. Yeah, we have an explicit rating on iTunes. (laughs) We're very proud of that. (laughs) You can... 
can tell this, uh, you can tell it grinds my gears a little bit. I just never saw why he was on there. Like, I, you, you introduce this new guy to the team and he just blows. It is really interesting for him because a lot of the players kind of screw up their chances a lot, but for him, it's almost always for selfish reasons. Like he gets caught in his own head and uh, kind of just screws it up for the team. So Yeah, Dwayne still couldn't believe that it was Rodeo Drive. I think that was on his mind. If you want to go by the stats, Dwayne, three assists in D2, no goals, two penalty minutes, both for roping. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, I just, I guess we talked about this in episode six and Kevin was kind of on your side, Tom. I just don't think the worst by far is an accurate statement when you have guys like Peter Mark and D1 who clearly gives the Hawks a goal (laughs) stick handling in his own zone. He gets it picked off and they score. And then you also have Carp as well. Um, I can see the argument, but how do you how do you put Dwayne behind those two who at least Dwayne has some skills? At least he's Dwayne moldable. Is their, Dwayne is their Vila uh, Leno. He he is the big signing who who just did not pay off. I mean, think about what they're paying him versus the other four kids in D one, who albeit were screw ups, were not coming in with the same fanfare. That's true. So Dwayne comes in and he's this big recruit, big signee, and everyone else sort of held up their end of the bargain. I mean, you know, at one point, eventually, Luis Mendoza did stop, <laughs> so there was that. But I don't know with Dwayne. I mean, again, the penalty minutes, you never know when he might rope somebody, and then there you go, penalty kill. Yeah, he could be the most disappointing duck ever. Yeah. yeah, I go with that. Yeah, that's probably more fair. Yeah, I agree with that. And what's interesting is, like, what if he jumped out on the ice with his rope and then the refs immediately just call the game? They say, <laughs> USA forfeits because of this nonsense. Iceland wins. He could have ruined everyone's life there. Yeah. I don't know what the Junior Goodwill Games rules are, but I'm sure there's, like, NHL <laughs> rules for, like, foreign objects on ice and stuff like are that. Are there anti-roping rules in the NHL? They probably had to put some in after that. <laughs> Yeah, they learned from this. Well, you know what? I think we need to check with the World Anti-Roping Agency and see what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Uh, Any other hot takes here before we uh, move on? (laughs) That's probably the hottest one. Um, I I do have a question. As a a broadcaster, what do you think of uh, Josh's performance, the uh, radio kid from uh, D3? He was pretty uh, intense. Josh, Josh was good. I, I give Josh a lot of credit. Josh goes and gets a big timer like Paul Correa on the broadcast. I mean, that alone is, is good. But, uh, no, I thought I thought Josh was with it. Uh, yeah, maybe a little over the top sometimes. You know, maybe you could go without looking like Macaulay Culkin from Richie Rich. You know, fix that whole thing. But, I mean, the rest of it, the hockey, when he stuck to hockey and was down with it, he knew his stuff. Made some good calls. I give him credit. Is he the one that inspired you to get into the field? Well, yeah, that's without saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, underrated part about Josh there. He was doing it by himself. No color commentator other than Paul Correa during, in between periods. So uh, it's kind of an added difficulty level for Josh there. And they just got Paul Correa to do it as like a 
hey, we need some filler. Just get Paul Correa to do it. <laughs> like, but make sure he doesn't stay on for the, like the third period or whatever. Yeah, he wasn't good. Yeah, you can't. Him. You can't. You can't fool around with the vibe that Josh was presenting there. And Paul probably offered to do color, and Josh turned him down, and that was the right call. <laughs> Maybe that's why Paul Correa is now like doing nothing these days because he's still upset that Josh turned him down. Yeah, I read a story. It's not like, a good look for your resume. Yeah, yeah, I read a story like two years ago that basically Paul Correa doesn't want anything to do with like the hockey community anymore. He's just chilling. So that's where that comes from. From Tommy there. All right. Um, how'd you just feel about Bob Miller and the other two, the announcers? Bob Miller was outstanding. Um, I'm trying to think of who the first one was. It was Bob I mean, Miller as well. But let's not forget though. <laughs> Wait, you're kidding. Bob Miller was in D1? Yeah, he, he was both of them. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> okay. I need, I need to freshen up on D1 probably, but... I mean, look, in in sports, there have been some great calls. You know, I think Al Michaels and the Miracle on Ice is certainly one of the one of the top ones. I don't know if it touches woo, 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 Kenny Woo, <laughs> which I, no one else is going to call that better than Bob Miller. So, yeah, I think he earned his paycheck. That's a good point. Like, he created, like, an iconic call from D2. I, I never really thought about it in that terms before. But, yeah, that's – as iconic, iconic as as some of these other calls out there, so that's good. Oh so, like- yeah, you get people walking up to him; they'll probably ask about woo 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 Kenny Woo over like some <laughs> Stanley Cup winning call. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so Tom, we do this thing called the Quack Question, where basically fans tweet us, Facebook us, email us Quack questions. We pick one of them, we try to answer them. So we're gonna do that now, Kevin. What is the quack question? The, this week's quack question comes from our resident Aussie, uh, Leah Burns, who's at Leah Nog. Uh, her question is, all the ducks are like family, but do you think there were a couple that may have disliked each other or got on each other's nerves? They are teenagers after all. Interesting. So, Leah, moving up to the quack uh. question leaderboard. Um, I think you start here with banks and jesse but obviously they had a little friction early on uh do they kind of hash it out there you think going on to d2 and beyond even though jesse does not go to eden hall and is there anyone else you think uh, i think they definitely do like reconcile um you know at the end of d1 where where banks gets hurt and you know him and jesse have their little moment and then when they're rounding up banks and jesse's one who's you know, hey, Cakey, do you want to go play some real hockey? So I think they, uh, I think Jesse has grown to accept Banks. I don't think Banks ever had a problem with Jesse, though. I feel like Tom, um, uh, uh, Julie the Cat and uh, uh, Portman never really reconciled after they had some friction in D2. At oh. least I don't really remember them reconciling. Well, we've had theories about Julie the I- Cat and Portman. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Getting a little frisky in the locker room, perhaps. That's true. Yeah, I was like, what theories are those? <laughs> what theories are those? We, um, The theory is basically that Julie the Cat and Dean Portman were stuck in the locker room together. They were angry. When they got kicked out. When they got kicked out of the Iceland game, uh, the first Iceland game that the Ducks lost, or Team USA lost, I should say. 
And um, I don't remember how we got to it or what the circumstances It was basically were. like the heat of the moment. They both got kicked out. And then like... They had some time to kill. Time, And then like Portman... <laughs> like, and Portman was like stripping off his clothes and everything. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, they were already halfway there. Yeah, it's like may as well. Hormones. Yeah, yeah they are teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, uh... I think... I think... Uh, Oh, who did I have? I have a feeling. I have a feeling some, a handful of people did not get along with Les Averman. Oh, I was gonna say that too. Yeah, I think. I feel like I feel like Guy Germain maybe, because he like doesn't he like mess with like their makeout early on in the roundup, or is that somebody else? Well, Charlie does the duck call, which stops the the. That's right. Makeups makeout session now. At the training camp in D2, Averman's, when we're, they're watching Mendoza, Averman's like a good looking skater, eh, Guy? Yeah. <laughs> so, and then he gets the punch yeah, there. Yeah, he shoves him. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's like a little thing. Yeah. I could imagine uh, Guy maybe thinking Averman just like annoying, yeah. like, kind of like harmless, but he's just like, God, Averman gets on my nerves. I wish sometimes. he would shut the fuck up. Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. I, I mean, at D1, wait, Jesse, who does, uh, who does Russ Tyler get into it with? Um, well, they're at, get the, into it with somebody? they're at the they're they're well, all stretching and, and stuff Portman. like that. And and Portman calls Julie babe, and then Banks comes in, and then and then Ty, Russ Tyler says like, "Why are you being a bunch of babies? You want to play some real puck?" So he kind of challenges the whole team there. Well, and then he also gets into Portman's face when he's in the penalty box. Does he? Doesn't oh yeah, he, and he no, tries to climb over and get him. Yeah, oh, before, before yeah, yeah. Was it Portman though? I'm pretty sure it was. It was Jesse. No, yeah, it was uh, Jesse. Okay. Yeah, it was Jesse. It was absolutely. Jesse. Yeah, because Russ says you got dissed bad, G, and then he <laughs> blows onto the uh, <laughs> fucking on the boards or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's interesting. You you think the com- comedic relief with Averman and Russ? Could rub some people the wrong way. Jesse kind of being number one. He tells Averman to shut up in D1 at one point. Um, I, besides those two, anybody getting in with Jesse? I feel like Jesse's a strong personality. Maybe there's somebody else out there that's uh, really not to his fancy. I could see Portman and building off that when they're stretching. And um, Portman and Banks. And Banks says, you know, her name's Julie, not Babe. And then Portman very angrily says, don't tell me how to talk, rich boy. <laughs> and so I can imagine Portman and Banks kind of having uh, some kind of thing. Especially because it's like, well, I guess Portman, we never really know what social class he comes from. But there's like the potential for like, you know, yeah, socioeconomic things going on there as well. Yeah, socioeconomic things. <laughs> Although I can imagine like Portman being very like kind of um, antagonistic toward Banks. But them getting in a situation like almost in like a fight and Portman immediately getting Banks' back. Like even though like he might not be Banks' biggest fan. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they're teammates. So that makes sense. Uh, just sort of speaking of Averman, it reminded me of something. Early on in the episode, Tom, you said that Averman had no business being on the team. What did you just sort of mean by that? I don't think he's that good. When did Averman ever take over a game? When did he ever really play well? Blake Bears. He had the stick handle move against the Blake Bears. That's probably a shining moment. 
But then he talked shit, yeah, and then they did. he inspired that nine nothing comeback. That's true. Yeah, it is. It is odd though, because we generally consider him one of the better players. Because we had Matt Doherty on, and yeah, he was a pretty good player. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah, where it comes from. Yeah, always got smoked in the circle, though, or the face-off dot. Like, multiple times he has been, like, shoved over, and, and just no effort taken on his part. I mean, I'm certain starting to come around Yeah, that's on this. fair. Like, there isn't really much to say. Um, there isn't really <laughs> many redeeming qualities for Averman there. What's um, interesting though is we've talked to um we talked to Matt Doherty, um the actor who played Averman. We also talked to uh Jack White who was like the hockey um expert. Um and it, Matt was probably one of the better, if not the best hockey player of the kids in the team. And didn't he end up playing college hockey? Oh wow. Um I don't I think somebody said it. I'm not sure if we really He had like a scholarship that. offer, but I'm not sure if he did. And it wasn't like um I think it was like a um like a D2 was it? D1 no, I thought it was like Northwestern or something like I that. I think he said Western Michigan. I like Oh, maybe I, it was again, that. Again, I don't have the the confirmation there, so I can't report this accurately. I never looked it up, but um <laughs> I think he did say that. So maybe that's where we're getting it from. But yeah, I mean like you really don't have much evidence from Averman. Like I'm not sure he he does really anything in D1 uh other than lose face-offs d2 kind of similar thing d3 has got one moment but he, he does talk a lot of trash and, and kind of ignites the blake bear so yeah maybe maybe we're just looking at aberman wrong this is interesting i'm gonna have to go back and review the film here uh other than that follow tom martin on twitter at four tom martin that's the number four uh news four in buffalo shout out to everybody in buffalo listening uh the oddcast is the oddcast coming back in the off season at all? Yeah, I think we might actually get. We're gonna work on him. Uh, you guys know who Mark Stein is with uh, he covers the NBA. Yeah, yeah, Dallas guy. Isn't he's he? a, he's yeah. a Man City fan. Yeah, he, yeah, he's a Dallas guy. That's right. He's a big Sabers fan, and so we're gonna try and get him on at some point this summer. I think once maybe like free agency dies down, but now we'll do something for the draft. I'm sure and and uh other pertinent dates but yeah nothing back on the regular until the season i think next year all right all right what is the best way to find the odd cast listen to the odd cast that kind of stuff yeah it's um just go to wivb.com it's our uh local news site and then go to the sports page and you should see it on the categories uh we also have a twitter just follow at oddcast podcast um yeah, we could we could use all the listeners we can get. <laughs> More the merrier. There you go. That's A U D C A S T uh podcast. For us, the quackdeck.com at quackdeckpod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash quackdeckpod. Go to the shop, get your shirts, get your coffee mugs, get your bags, get your prints, get your shower curtains, get pillows. Pillows, uh baby clothes. <laughs> I could go all day. Uh, yeah, get all that. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Tell us your thoughts on Averman and whether he deserved to be on the Ducks. And remember, Ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack.